This edition of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Learn more by visiting the following website, adultliteracy.xprize.org. Imagine that you're a student in school. You come to class one morning and your teacher asks you to take out your very favorite toy and use it for the next hour in class to learn math. Now imagine that you could take that toy and use it to build your own version of Noah's Ark, barter with your Spanish class for virtual currency, or even reconstruct the Roman Colosseum. With Minecraft, you can do all of those things. Over 21 million people have purchased the Minecraft game for fun. But how are teachers using it in the classroom? Should teachers really be using it in the classroom? Answers to those questions coming up after our news bits. I'm Michael Winters. And I am Mary Jo Matta. Let's get started. Last week, Georgia educator Valerie Lewis brought the house down with her account on EdSurge of why most professional development stinks. Hmm. Well, this week, we're looking at you, administrators. Ellen Dorr, a director of instructional technology and our 50 states project representative for the state of Washington, brings to the table four guidelines for designing learning experiences for teachers. And she doesn't censor her thoughts about the use of the word training. In fact, she writes that education is much too complex to assume that if a training has been delivered, that some output will result. So how can one turn something from a training into a learning experience? Well, she says, for starters, talk to teachers about what they actually want to do and learn. You know the startup mantra, move fast and break things? Yeah, well, that philosophy doesn't always fly in ed tech, where it takes years to measure the efficacy of a product and a small change might make a big difference in a child's education. This week, Jack McDermott, a product marketing manager at Panorama Education, tells the story of how his team worked to quickly prototype a new product while simultaneously ensuring that the product was grounded in research. It's a must-read for anyone building ed tech products, and it's on our website at edsurge.com. Students encounter difficult situations online every day. They think things like, should I be looking at this, or this Snapchat seems offensive. And to help students develop appropriate, well-reasoned, and self-protecting actions for these situations, educator Matt Harris shared a list of nine internet safety scenarios that teachers can play out with their students in the classroom. It's sort of like a digital citizenship version of Whose Line Is It Anyway, that awesome sketch show from the late 90s that Drew Carey hosted. Improv show, not sketch show. There we go, improv show. Just to give you some perspective, here's a sample scenario for a student to ponder. Say a friend tags you in a picture on Facebook. The picture was taken last summer while you and others were at the beach. But you don't feel comfortable with the way that you or your friends look in the picture. Other Facebook users have begun to post comments on the picture making fun of you and your friends. So, what do you do? As a teacher or administrator, can you tell if your ed tech is working? For how long do you need to test it? This week, the Department of Education awarded a $3.67 million contract to Mathematica Policy Research to develop some answers to those very questions. The task is to create a suite of tools that helps teachers evaluate whether an EdTech tool purchased with federal money is helping students within one to three months of its purchase. The department hopes that the platform, classified as a rapid cycle technology evaluation, 
will educate and guide teachers, but also give entrepreneurs some data and benchmarks for designing their products. Nonprofit Common Sense Media has just released the Common Sense Census, a report on media use by American tweens, which is 8 to 12 years old, and teenagers, 12 to 18 year olds. Common Sense found that tweens spend an average of six hours per day consuming media, and teens do so for nine hours, with both figures excluding media involved in school or completing homework. The report also disclosed that half of teens consume some sort of media while doing homework, and two-thirds of those say it has no detrimental effect on the quality of their work. But what was interesting to me? Well, contrary to my expectations, teens and tweens spent only 3% of their entire media time actually making things, like their own videos or PowerPoints, so it's just a lot of consumption. The most troubling finding, however, the widening socioeconomic and racial divides between owners of these various digital devices. And now it's time for Kachings. Newton may be on the hunt for more financing. A recent SEC filing shows that the company has filed to raise $47.25 million. The New York-based company creates personalized learning software for students and has so far raised $105 million since it started in 2008. In M&A news, the Dell Foundation has sold double-line partners to private equity firm Cross Street LLC for an undisclosed sum. Since 2011, the Dell Foundation funded double-line partners to develop EdFi, a set of data standards that unify student information fragmented across different sources and formats. The Dell Foundation has been vocal in pushing for improved interoperability standards, as well as for the use of the EdFi standards. Some believe that the pressure to cut the conflicts of interests that this advocacy caused may have influenced the sale. And finally, the totals are in for Q3 2015. U.S. EdTech raised $350 million, up 9% from the Q3 2014 total. General Assembly's $70 million fundraise and Civitas Learning's $60 million led the way. All right, well, that's it for the news bits. We'll go into our Minecraft deep dive in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. On November 18th, world-renowned EdTech leaders and innovators will converge on Cooper Union in New York City, and you are invited. The MIT Enterprise Forum of New York, with generous support from Fiverr, presents the New York City kickoff of the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Join the best and brightest entrepreneurs, investors, hackers, and edtech enthusiasts for conversations about the changing face of adult education. Among the speakers will be Peter Diamandis, Chairman and CEO of XPRIZE, Jake Schwartz, CEO of General Assembly, and Jonathan Harbour, former CEO of Schoolnet and Pearson K-12 Technology. To reserve your free spot for the evening reception and panel presentations, go to www.adultedweek.com and look for the VIP promo code. That's www.adultedweek.com. Okay, so this week's deep dive is all about the wonderful world of Minecraft. And this whole podcast was actually kicked off by an email we got at EdSurge from one of our very own colleagues, Michelle Spencer. So uh, rather than read you that email. Which would probably be pretty lame and boring. Yeah, we thought it would be more exciting to get Michelle on the phone and talk to her about it. Cool. So uh, Michelle, uh, hello, first of all, hello. Hi, 
Michael. Uh, and we should we should say you're normally we work in the same physical place, but you are working uh, from your home in beautiful Napa today. So what? So tell tell us about kind of your your experience and and how how that led you to uh, to what we're talking about now. Well. So, Michael, I was a high school principal, and I had some courageous and amazing educators who were using Minecraft in their classroom, and they would invite me in to watch, and the students would be presenting their finished product, um, and it would boggle my mind, and <laughs> yet I, I never, you know, I was sort of too busy or maybe a little embarrassed to admit I didn't understand what was behind the scenes to create a finished Minecraft world, right? Yeah. It would be like, they'd show me around and I'd be like, oh, nice. But I, I, I thought it's, it's about time that I understand what what is Minecraft and what, what does it take to get from point A to point C and what are the, you know, what's going on? <laughs> Did some did something spur this? Like, did you see Minecraft in the news and go, "Oh yeah, I've never understood that." Well, yeah. So I work with districts all around the country now, planning summits, and one of the most popular things people want is to get a better understanding of game based learning. And I kept thinking, gaming, like Minecraft, like Minecraft. See, I even say it wrong sometimes, like <laughs> Minecraft. <laughs> and so it's just been haunting me, and I thought I just have to fess up. I need to learn about it. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we will we will do our best to investigate, and uh, we will get back to you. Thank you. Okay. W- when this phone call happened, basically the only thing I knew about Minecraft came from ISTE this year. There was a series of sessions about using Minecraft in the classroom, and the lines to get into those sessions were the longest I saw at the whole conference. Yeah, I remember talking to some pretty frustrated teachers who couldn't get into those sessions. Mm -hmm. So, okay, first of all, for anyone out there who doesn't know, and until two weeks ago, this included Michael and myself, (laughs) first we need to cover what exactly is Minecraft? Sure, that that's a challenge <laughs> to, to sort of compress it like that. Uh, you know, M- Minecraft is a very open-ended sandbox game in that it doesn't have specific goals or too many rules. It's really more of a world uh, that players uh, could play in, adventure in, build in, fight in. There's many different types of activities that appeal to a lot of different types of players and types of kids. Um, and what many kids do is go on adventures, they fight monsters, Um, and they gather resources which let them uh, build anything that they can imagine. It could be a simple house, it could be a castle, they could recreate their school, they could build the Statue of Liberty. Okay, gotta jump in here. This is why I was skeptical initially, just like Michelle. I mean, yes, okay, going on quests and fighting monsters, you know, building resources, that's all fun and games. And kids should have fun in school. I totally agree with that. But I didn't understand why so many teachers seem to think that this is a great game to play in the classroom. Yeah, and this is where our journey into Minecraft begins in earnest. That voice you heard a minute ago, he started to clear things up for us. That is Joel Levin, one of the co-founders and education director of Teacher Gaming, the company that makes the version of Minecraft for the classroom. Joel's story has a familiar ring to it. Before becoming an entrepreneur, he was a teacher. And one day, he discovered that the game Minecraft had a powerful effect on his students, as well as his own daughter. Yeah, I I was teaching full time. I was teaching first and second grade computer science classes, as well as some, you know, high school electives, that kind of thing. You know, I I 
was playing Minecraft at home just as a gamer myself then, but also playing with my daughter who was almost five at the time. And, um, you know, I was consistently blown away with the stuff she was doing in the game. Uh, I mean, just the sheer level of creativity and uh, sort of problem solving and resourcefulness she was demonstrating was really interesting to me. And then I started to really, you know, pay attention to the fact that she was using um, a lot of written and, and uh, verbal skills. She was writing on signs. She was documenting, labeling things. Uh, and she was even doing rudimentary math problems. She was figuring out, well, okay, how many trees do I need to cut down to have enough wood in order to build my house? That, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it really uh, opened my eyes and gave me the confidence to use it with my second grade classroom. And, you know, I, I was in, originally planning to be using the game for, you know, a, a, two weeks. I had sort of uh, picked a couple things to kind of replace in my in my usual curriculum. And I knew the game would be good to practice their keyboard and mouse skills. And I knew there'd be some sort of um, other interesting situations. But, you know, I was really not expecting just how much we were uh, we were benefiting from this game and how much I could do with this game. I just kept coming up with more and more ideas of how we could take it further. And, you know, we ended up using it for the rest of the school year, like three or four more months. But Joel had a problem. He loved Minecraft, but he also recognized that it wasn't a perfect tool. There were facets of the game that, well, distracted students from what Joel wanted them to learn. You know, I didn't have a problem with with my kids sort of hacking at each other with swords and running off to fight monsters <laughs> during class. It's not that I thought it was inappropriate, but it was certainly a distraction. You know, I, I had certain goals. I had certain building goals, certain community goals and collaboration goals that I wanted my kids to be doing. And I thought if the kids had to worry about eating or defending against monsters or, you know, were just horsing around with their, their friends, that might be distraction. So I found ways to... Uh, turn those features off and make the game a little more safe and streamlined. And when I began working with my uh, uh, partners, uh, who are all also a bunch of teachers and programmers, uh, mostly from Finland, uh, you know, where we said, well, you know, what other features do we want to put in the game just to help teachers get these these really inspiring novel uh experiences going in the classroom more easily. Like, for example, one of, the, one of the very first features we put in, the kids are having a great time in Minecraft, and sometimes you just need to get their attention for a minute to talk about what, what their goal should be, or, or the bell rings and it's time to go, and the kids don't want to stop playing. So we put in a freeze button that, you know, that kind of locks the kids in place and prevents them from, uh, from going. And that's how Minecraft EDU was born. Joel's company makes Minecraft EDU, which is basically an add-on to the original game Minecraft. It lets teachers have additional features that make the game more conducive to classroom learning. So in addition to the freeze button that Joel mentioned, students can also teleport from place to place, and teachers can turn off or on the zombies that haunt you at night in the original game. Ugh. And, uh, okay, terminology switch here. Everybody just abbreviates Minecraft EDU as Minecraft, which is a little confusing, but just so you know, for the rest of the show, when we say Minecraft, what we're really talking about is Minecraft EDU. That has been confusing me for months on end now, but okay, <laughs> we still haven't gotten to the how. How are teachers actually using Minecraft, which remember means Minecraft EDU, in the classroom? Well, the answer is a lot of different ways. We had over a dozen teachers share their Minecraft experience with us for this show, and Basically, their uses of Minecraft 
fell into two broad buckets. So here's bucket one. Teachers are using Minecraft as a creative outlet that replaces other more traditional creative outlets. Uh, so for instance, Mary Jo, where you or I might've created a poster or a diorama when we were in school, kids are now using Minecraft instead. Yeah, and here's an example. We talked to Zach Lankow, a religious studies teacher for high schoolers at St. John's Prep in Danvers, Massachusetts. He employs Minecraft for a project about Noah's Ark for his ninth graders. He divides students into groups of three and asks them to create a safe haven like the Ark was for Noah and his family. In that project, students work together to create a safe haven in Minecraft. Zach says he's seen the students dream up and then build amazing things with the tool. I mean, groups have designed giant hydroponics bays to grow food and keep livestock, movie theaters and hockey rinks to keep them entertained, even entire wings of the safe haven for feeding all of the people and animals that have to live there. Uh, so Mary Jo, I remember in social studies in uh, ninth grade, mm -hmm. we were learning about religion and we were all assigned to design a movie poster about different religions. Um, so I was in the group that was studying Islam and we made sort of like an action movie poster starring Abraham and Ishmael. Right, so that's, that's definitely cool. And then if you had had Minecraft, maybe you could have made a Minecraft map of like the holy sites in Mecca, mm -hmm. or maybe designed a virtual Hajj for your classmates to follow. Right, and that sounds like a lot more fun, mm -hmm. <laughs> especially because I'm terrible at drawing. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's bucket one. We're using Minecraft to replace other creative media. Bucket two is a little bit different. Teachers are substituting whole lessons in Minecraft for lessons they might otherwise have taught in other ways. For an example of this practice, we talked to Cindy Duncan, a teacher in Alaska. So my name is Cindy Duncan, and I teach second grade at Keat Gushaheen Elementary School in Sitka, Alaska. Uh, Sitka, Alaska, by the way, is on an island about two hours northwest of Seattle by plane. It's the part of Alaska that like touches the side of Canada. I've, I've never been there before. Mm. Uh, and Cindy actually learned about Minecraft from a professor in grad school, but she didn't know really how to play with it. So I asked my students, I went to school and I said, you know, I'm, I have to learn Minecraft and college kids. And they were all excited. And I said, who could teach me? The whole class raised their hand. And I said, okay, well, you have, you have to teach me during recess and during lunch, you know, volunteer your time. They all stayed in. Cindy saw that enthusiasm from her students and she wanted to tap into it. So she's done a couple projects like Zach's using Minecraft to help her students learn about the native tribes on Sitka but she's also using it to teach basic second grade mathematics. But I also do um, math lessons. We are doing arrays. So I made a little little kind of a world based on arrays and the, each team had a block, or I should say a set area, and they could make as many arrays as they wanted, but they had to label them. Or they could make arrays and they, another team would have to come in and solve them. So I've done that. And that new approach seems to be working for her students. I think my whole class, after doing Minecraft um, arrays, then they took this paper test, they all got 100%. I mean, I don't normally have that. <laughs> so those are our two main buckets of Minecraft use. One, teachers are using it as a creative medium, and two, they're using it as a substitute for traditional lessons. But we just had to share this third example of a teacher who is mixing both of those buckets. My name is Glenn Irvin. Um, I am a Spanish teacher here at Wabashaw Kellogg High School. 
Glenn is using Minecraft to upgrade his unit on Spanish commerce vocabulary in a big way. My Spanish three-level course, we have a, a unit on business and commerce. Usually we would do kind of a, a practice. Someone comes into your store and you're buying and selling things. Uh, so I turned all of that you know, previous knowledge and I used it inside of Minecraft. You're able to basically take on roles and jobs. Uh, my students then took on roles inside of Minecraft as, for example, for it to be mine, miners or lumberjacks or farmers. And they actually produce materials. Uh, and then we uh, had a what I called Mundo de Comercio, which is basically means world of commerce. So we're all in the same computer lab together. And so the rules were absolutely no English speaking. I didn't know exactly how they would communicate. So we had the chat feature up on Minecraft and you could chat that way. That turned out to be too slow of a uh, ability. So it reminded me of like the New York stock market <laughs> where people were yelling stuff at each other, but it was all in Spanish. So there was some people that would walk in the, the class and go, what's going on in here? And there was kids that were yelling basically like, bargaining prices down, you know, on certain items. And no, I want to buy that for, you know, 64 for only three coins. No, I'll sell it to you for two, you know, those kind of things. And this was all in Spanish. And I was just looking at them going, this is ridiculous. I mean, like ridiculously good. I couldn't imagine that happening in any other kind of settings. That sounds like so much fun. I know. Uh, so it's clear that Minecraft is a pretty powerful tool. It enables teachers to enable students to take part in some exciting activities that are very different from what happens in a traditional classroom. Okay, but hold up. What we haven't really addressed yet is the why. I get, okay, I get that Minecraft might make class more exciting, but why else are teachers getting into the game? Well, there was one reason we heard from everybody we talked to, and it is student enthusiasm. Every single teacher we spoke to described students going above and beyond on anything related to Minecraft. Glenn gave that example of students asking for more vocabulary to use with each other. Cindy mentioned that her entire class volunteered to miss recess to teach her how Minecraft works. Everyone has a story like that. Glenn also mentioned that when using Minecraft, he's able to connect with students that normally won't talk to him or any other teacher. You always have students that are very difficult to reach. And I'm now reaching those students that I never reached before. I always, my goal always as you know, a teacher, I always want kids to be excited about my class. And it doesn't matter how much enthusiasm I bring into it. Sometimes you can't reach all students. I feel like I'm reaching a lot more, a lot of students that I never had any, I just couldn't connect with them. And so when you see someone get fired up that's at that level, that fires you up too. You're like, okay, I'm reaching those people. I've never reached them before. And now they want to not only, you know, play this game, but they want to know more about, about you as a teacher personally, but and also about, you know, hey, I, maybe I'm interested in Spanish. Maybe this is something I can go ahead and continue to go ahead and study. And then, of course, there's the argument that we hear a lot when we're talking about adopting any new tools. Using Minecraft is really about preparing kids to live in a century that will be full to the brim with technology. Here's Cindy again. Technology, I don't know why we think that in education we should let the 21st century stay outside of the classroom. I mean, it's all, these kids are gonna grow up in a world that we, we don't know what it's gonna be like. You know, we can only guess. 
And I'm going to do the best I can to provide them with those tools. And I really think Minecraft taps into that creativity, problem solving, the imagination, the things that they're going to need to know. Now, I want to stop here and point out that, uh, as many of our listeners have probably already noticed, all of these outcomes and reasons for using Minecraft, it's all anecdotal. As far as we can tell, there has not yet been a quantitative academic study of the effectiveness of Minecraft in the classroom. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> Join the club. We do not have a whole lot of that in EdTech. Yes, and we need more of it. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, but what we do know is there will be at least one study that's starting up in January. Researchers at the University of Maine have received a $2 million grant from the National Science Foundation. Uh, the plan is to implement Minecraft in several districts in Maine and then track how using the program with curriculum influences interest in STEM careers and standardized test scores. What we can say is that teachers we heard from taught all sorts of subjects and came from all over the world, from Alaska, as you heard, to the East Coast, from the UK, and as far away as Kuwait. And they were unanimous in their enthusiasm for and support of Minecraft in the classroom. But of course, there are some challenges that come with using Minecraft. First is the hardware. Minecraft runs on most operating systems and devices, but the versions may be slightly different. So in a BYOD situation, some students have access to slightly different features than other students. Yep, that's a big one. And then another obstacle to using Minecraft is, well, the parents. There's still a bias, um, uh, you know, among uh, parents and other faculty members when Minecraft enters a new school that that games are somehow a waste of time. That you know, they're not building real skills that are transferable to other areas. Things things like that. Cindy also encountered that problem in her classroom, and she recommends addressing the problem just head on. I was really nervous about what parents would think, and. You know, our parent, the parents going to wonder what I'm doing at school when kids go home and we played Minecraft, you know. So I just invited parents in. Every time we had Minecraft, I invited parents in. They could join. They could watch. And they all walked away really impressed. Hey, you know what we haven't yet mentioned, Michael? Hmm. Can I get a sound effect? <laughs> yep. That was it. Cost. How <laughs> yeah. much does it cost? <laughs> Minecraft. Uh, Minecraft in the classroom is not free, uh, but it's not the most expensive tool either. Joel told us that a typical order is for 25 site licenses, and that will run you a one-time fee of about 400 bucks. Okay. Uh, after that, you can pay Joel's company a small monthly fee to host your Minecraft server, uh, or you can just host it yourself for no charge. And by the way, that's cheaper than what you would pay for the typical consumer Minecraft. Okay, wow, there was a lot of information that just came at all of you. So (laughs) let's summarize. Basics. Teachers are using Minecraft in a lot of different ways in the classroom. And there are some challenges, and we don't have the strongest data to back up that it's working. But pretty much everyone seems to be pretty happy with the results so far. Yeah, that was a a great summary. Thank you. Uh, But of course, even though people are happy, Joel and his team at Minecraft EDU, they're not standing still. We try to uh, sort of evolve Minecraft EDU very much in parallel to the original game. So we're always looking at sort of what features are coming down the pipe in current in commercial version of Minecraft and, and think about how we can use those in the classrooms. Um, but, you know, down the road, I mean, I think we want, to, we want to grow our library of sort of sample content. We have something called the World Library on our website that, that teachers can submit 
the, their Minecraft creations that they use with their students to let other teachers download and, and get going in their own classroom. So we'd li I'd like to keep growing that, that library of, of different sample lessons that you could use. Um, but in terms of what we're adding and programming, you know, I just, I, it, I, I want us to keep being sort of the platform that lets other people kind of plug in these uh, learning materials and just give them better tools to do it. There is, though, a big question mark in the future of Minecraft EDU. Back in September 2014, Microsoft purchased Mojang, the company that makes the original Minecraft, for the handsome sum of $2.5 billion. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. And uh, while there's always some tension and uncertainty when a company is purchased, Joel says that the relationship is going well so far. Well, it, it certainly made things a little more interesting when, when Microsoft came in and, and bought Mojang. Uh, you know, whereas we were working with this sort of small, quirky, independent Swedish company, suddenly we're working with with Microsoft. Uh, but they've they so far they've been great partners. I mean, I think they recognize that um, there's a really good thing going here with Minecraft EDU that that are just so many schools that are using uh, the game. Uh, we've been able to work with them to to sort of streamline how we do what we do, and we've had lots and lots of discussions about what's next and what's the future and you know, where, where is Microsoft kind of able to accelerate what's already gone on? And uh, in the not too distant future, there'll be uh, some more public announcements uh, about what's, what's coming. Um, but so far, it's been, uh, it's been a positive relationship. We also talked to Neil Maingold, a senior manager on the Minecraft team at Microsoft. He told us that his team has three goals for the next couple of years. They'd like to explore how to use Minecraft to improve STEM education, figure out how they can continue to support this big Minecraft EDU community, and of course, promote the use of Minecraft among schools. Yeah, he, he basically said, look, Minecraft EDU is doing great things right now. We at Microsoft don't want to mess it up. I'm, if I had wood around me, I'd be knocking on it, knock on wood. So finally, after all of this learning, we felt we could finally go back to Michelle and share with her some of the answers that we got. So Michael called her up again and walked her through our findings. Okay, so so I know, uh, so we've just walked you through everything we've learned. Um, what what do you think, Michelle? Well, that's first of all, it's so exciting, and it really fills in some gaps that I had. The stories you're telling me about um, the EDU version and how teachers really can sort of take charge. Whew, that makes me feel very excited. You're knowing what you know now. If if you were to if you were still a principal, um, you know, how how would your reaction to, to teachers using Minecraft be different? Okay, so here's something really wacky that might just work. If, if you suddenly realize that you have a tipping point of your staff for multiple subject areas using Minecraft to help students learn, wouldn't you be a pretty amazing leader to assemble staff learning that way? If I delivered the content even just for Nest and Bolts through a Minecraft medium to really honor the expertise that the teachers were building and to show that I was a learner too and to share in the common struggles, I think that would be pretty hilarious. It would be a huge time commitment, but I think it could really begin to bridge administration connection to teachers, administration connection to kids, and really take learning to this. We're all in this together. Uh, well, thanks for sending us on this uh, this journey. We've had a lot of fun. <laughs> it's 
Actually, there was one final, final thing. Yeah, we couldn't do a whole show on Minecraft without actually playing Minecraft ourselves. So Michael, Blake, Michelle, and I, along with a few other Ed Surgeons, got in a room, we downloaded the demo version of Minecraft, and we started playing. <laughs> what we didn't realize at first, though, was that we were playing adventure mode. Where zombies come out and kill you at night and start to attack you, and it's just horrible. Yeah, and we promised ourselves when we started that we would not let this become like a, a YouTube video called Idiots Play Minecraft. So, but Minecraft demo things went south idiots. pretty quickly. You look around using the mouse, jump, space, E for you. Ooh, I found a rabbit. Okay. Uh, 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 I don't even know. So there apparently is a stick I'm holding. You, oh, so you have a, I don't have a stick yet. Well, I think that's your Does mine look like yours? Michelle, okay. I think that's I think your that's, hand. I think that might be your hand. Oh, yeah. it doesn't have any fingers. Oh, oh God. Replicate a famous structure. How do I get out of this pit? I'm also in the pit, Blake. I think Michael, it's getting I figured, dark in my community. I figured out how to get out of the pit, Michael. Oh, is, is it almost night, Can you figured that? It's, yeah. Okay, it's a lie. <laughs> so Michelle's getting injured by something. Ooh. Is this the zombie we were talking oh, about? Or a squid? something horrible is happening to me. You can fight back. <laughs> Sounds like oh. a spider. Oh, oh, it is a spider. You died. Oh my. I died. And your yeah, score is zero. I run away from the zombie. There's a zombie? And it's killed me five times. Michelle, you've died five times? I've been killed by zombies five times. I've drowned twice. Michelle! How many times have you died? Once! <laughs> okay, I figured out how to make sticks, but I don't care. Ah, uh, something's killing me! What? I just got here! Why are you already killing me? I, like, barely got here. Okay, now I'm in the water. Okay, Ooh, you, you gotta you jump periodically. Uh, oh, apparently the zombie is coming. What? You're not wait, dead wait, yet. Wait, no, I'm not dead. Oh, I'm not dead! I'm not dead! Oh. Now you're dead. Okay, well, so let's, let's, it's, so, let's all, can we all pause for a sec? So it's getting getting to the end of our hour. Actually, oh. how do you pause it officially? I don't know. Because this is the first probably, time I've oh, hit escape. Probably escape. Escape. Because the zombie is coming. All right, we have many people to thank today. Thank you to Joel from Teacher Gaming and Neil from Microsoft for sharing their perspectives on Minecraft EDU. Thanks to Zach, Cindy, Glenn, and Rachel for speaking with us on tape, and thanks to all of the other people who responded to us via email and Twitter. Seriously, we were amazed at the generous responses from the Minecraft EDU community. Just one tweet, and we had about 30 different responses. We'll post links to projects from Glenn and Cindy's classrooms on the article page for this podcast. We'll also post a link to the Minecraft EDU World Library and to the Wonderful World of Humanities, which is an incredible Minecraft EDU site where students are building a tour through all areas of history. Yeah, that's where they have the Colosseum. It so is it's cool. amazing. And hey, for those of you listening and looking for new opportunities in EdTech, uh, if you're not running out the door to go try to work for the Minecraft team, check out our EdSurge jobs board. We've got new positions going up every day, and we would love to get you hired. A very good friend of mine actually just found herself a new job using our EdSurge jobs board earlier this week. You can see all of the open positions at edsurge.com jobs. Finally, thanks to all of you for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing, please share it with a friend, share it with a coworker, share it with a lover. Share it with share your mom. Share it with your mom. Yeah, family member. We'd be very grateful. And subscribe too. 
All right. I am Michael Winters. And I am Mary Jo Matta. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.